Episode 17, Season 3, Bearded Carcast, in front of 6,000 empty seats. Not for long. Not for long. It's going to be a great crowd here today at Windsor Coliseum. Education Day, we taping this before the SIE Edwardsville Cougars. Do you notice to something different about the Winthrop Coliseum today than most Oh, yeah, days? the sea kills aren't here. There's something else. What's that? Look behind you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's usually a bar. Yes, the Corona courtside seats. But because they're going to be 4,500 right. school kids, I guess they think they're not going to sell a lot of beer. Yeah, probably not a good idea to do that. But I thought it was an education day game. It is an education talk day. talk about the education. We're talking about the education. Let's not allow those bus drivers to drink. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. How you doing, Dave? What's going on? I mean, we're bright and early. We're ready to roll. I thought you might bail on this. You thought I was going to bail? Why did you I think, thought it was you a think possibility. that? Well, I mean, I left a little early on the coach's show last night. But. <laughs> yeah, I like these early games. This is fun. I mean, this is, uh, from our perspective, there's so much atmosphere for these games. And you have, you know, it's going to be like 4,500, 5,000 school kids here. They're going to be loud. They might not know what they're cheering at half the time, but they're going to be loud. They're going to be proud. And for Winthrop, it's a game that, you know, trying to snap a four-game losing streak. Edwardsville's a program that's trying to figure themselves out. They have a first uh, – well, he's been with the program for the last couple of years, but first-year head coach. There's only one thing worth talking about with Edwardsville, and I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast last year, but you and I certainly talked about yeah. it on the air and it's the story of Ken Flack and Robert Sagosu. Of course. You remember <laughs> they went to Edwardsville, sort of. They won oh, yeah, these two guys. NCAA yeah, 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 yeah. Division II right. championships the tennis guys, right? in tennis. Yeah, yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. they never attended any they classes. No. Is that a bad thing? They, uh, they didn't have high school diplomas <laughs> either, <laughs> but they were able to go to SAU Edwardsville right. because at the time they were a Division II school, and somehow you didn't need a high school diploma to go to a D2 school school so they were incredible incredible tennis players they went on to win wimbledon doubles in wimbledon Wimbledon. that's pretty crazy but they got edwardsville in trouble because again they did not (laughs) attend any classes they were quoted as saying something to the effect of yeah we had a great experience we really hung out in our dorms we played a lot (laughs) of video games we really liked ordering pizza and we played tennis pretty much professionally which you know it's you know we, we talk these so you days. So they bailed on school. They 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 definitely bailed on school. They had no interest in going to school. There's food in the uh, the break room back there. <laughs> Hand signals. You ever Hand try signals. to you ever try to uh, read what the third base coach is saying or what the signs that the first base coach is reeling? That was if you would like to yeah, eat. There's food he available. Was, yeah, he was doing the the clockwise motion of the right hand right. simulating a fork in it <laughs> and eating. Yeah. Well, Robert Sagosu and Ken Flack knew a lot about eating, just not a lot just about studying. Just not a lot about going to class, but they know about winning Wimbledon. I mean, other than that, what is interesting about SAU Edwards, Ed Hightower, the official, went there. Um, other than that, n- not an abundance. They have a very, very large... Um, trees and lakes on campus yep, one of yep, the largest yep. for any campuses in the country that's a last year when we went there we didn't spend a lot of time on campus no we didn't but you could see how it was kind of oh uh, no it was very uh, aesthetically pleasing yeah but but other than that branch campus of southern illinois they're about uh 75 miles or so 100 miles from carbondale where where SIU is located, and that's pretty much all t- you need to know about Edwardsville. They enter play with a uh, Ken Palm ranking of 343, mm. but um, 341 in the net. Oh, 341 the in the net. The first net rankings came out yesterday. Yeah. You love the net rankings. We do? You do. Well, I just, I like having an official, like, we can talk about, there used to be those fake RPI websites that, like, kind of tried to (laughs) simulate RPI. And they'd always be just a little bit off, right? Where you can look at the Ken Palm or the Sagarin, stuff like that, but, like, it's not official. Like, the NCAA actually uses the net. Now, December 15th is a very, very early point in which to look at it because you haven't even started your conference games. I mean, some teams have played one or two, but, like, it is something the NCAA is looking at. Last year, when I was doing a St. Mary's 
Nice game, and I was talking to Randy Bennett, their basketball coach. He was saying how he thought the net was going to dramatically help his program. The previous yeah. year, they had been really good, but the metrics were bad. Right, they right. changed the metric to the net, and all of a sudden, their out-of-conference schedule and some of their big wins looked a lot better. And, and to me, it's really interesting. We've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about how the Big South is having a bad year in the Ken Palm rankings. They're, they're 29th yeah. best in conferences. And in Ken Palm or in Sagarin, there are a lot of teams in the 300s and quite a few in the 200s. The net came out yesterday, and UNC Asheville is 124. I mean, that's 100 points higher than any other next, right. metric. And it's also 100 points better than any other team in the conference. So UNC Asheville, who is 5-4, and four, it's hard for me to imagine that they're that much dramatically better than Winthrop or Radford or whoever else you think is the best team in the Big South. Well, it still puts a premium on wins, though, right? I mean, if Winthrop had a... Winthrop hasn't won a Division One game in a, in a month. month. Yeah, I mean they, they beat St. Mary's, the 18th ranked yeah, team of the, the country at the time. It was a one tremendous team. win. Yeah. but since then they they've beaten two non-D ones. Now they have played a really really difficult schedule. And a you lot can of only close get games so much too. credit yeah. for losing. No, you, right? You can't. Well, did you see did you see Winthrop on Sports Center last night? I heard that they were on the bad beats last night. Yeah, they were on the bad beats, and they were they, they were the one that that made it into a bad <laughs> beat. They were down <laughs> down 19. Yeah against um, TCU TCU with TCU. a minute to go or yeah. two minutes to go, something like that. The spread was 12. Kyle Zunick hit two threes, and Charles Falden hit a three, and they <laughs> lost by 10. <laughs> and somewhere there were people very, very angry, yeah. or some people that were very, very happy. Our friends in the desert were very interested friends in Friends in the game. desert were very yep. interested. And on Saturday, too, that game was... Uh, yeah, same thing against Furman. I think Winthrop has covered all but one game the entire is that season. Right? I think Tennessee wow. Tech is the only game they haven't covered. Yeah, that's interesting. I, well, but it is. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. What was the what was the line in Duke? Twenty-five or yeah, something. Yeah, so they beat the spread on that one too. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. The Patriots covered last week. Patriots covered and then some. What about this week against Buffalo? How are you feeling? That's an interesting game because both teams have essentially clinched a playoff berth. It's bizarre in that respect. People are making it out to be a big game. It's two playoff teams. The Patriots have something to play for. Yes, the they need to win They need to win twice to, secure the, to get the bye. Right. The Bills are playing for nothing. Right. They're the five seed. If they lose twice, they can drop to the six seed, but they really shouldn't be pressing overly hard. No. Is this a, is this a situation where you would – Maybe start shutting guys down. To well, stay. you know my philosophy. Yeah. Football is a game that has a lot of injuries, and I don't want to risk injury. So I'm the don't get on the bus, don't play the game guy. But I don't believe that that's what they're going to no, do. No, I don't think they'll do that either. And and I guess the the scenario would be, is there any advantage to being – not really, right? Because, I mean, even if you win your first-round game, if you're the sixth seed, you still got to face Baltimore. So do you ra- would you rather stay in that five spot just in case you win, you do get the chance to – Play the Patriots for the third time? I don't know. Is there any? Who knows? I mean, marginally, or Kansas City if the if the Patriots were to lose the game. I mean, that yeah. that's kind of what Buffalo is playing for, right? If they beat the Patriots, it's likely the Patriots will fall to the three, and then they have to go to Kansas City. Do you know what equally disgusts me and In makes me laugh round. at the same time? Is all these videos of these idiot Bills fans that will take these diving leaps onto those tables. <laughs> They're passionate. I mean, there was one from a game, I guess it was the game this weekend, and the guy was in the front row, and there was a table that just happened to be placed really close to where the the stands were. And the guy jumped on the jumped over the thing, hit the table, you know, like stumbles back up, gets on the table, and his friends <laughs> lift him back up before the security. I want you to ask yourself the question, how many beers in oh would you God. have to be to do that? Me? I don't think I, there's enough beers for me to do it, but it would, it would be, there, there, it'd be, it'd no be, it'd be north bet- of 10. There's no state between being passed out and just unbelievably inebriated Jeez. that you go, yeah, that, that's yeah, a I'm good idea. That. I'm going to be. There's no spot there, though? I, I can't imagine that. But this, that's not my, I'm not a daredevil. I think, I think inherently you have to have some, some form of uh, craziness. I, I think I've told you this story. This guy that I know, he, he has two different... He's John 1 and John 2. 
John one is a great guy when he's sober, and and John number two when he's drunk does crazy things like that. Like, the, uh, I wasn't at this party, but he was at a party one time, and, and he was probably I don't know six seven beers in, couple of shots, and it was one of those houses where there's like a window on the staircase, and he like lift up the window and like jumped out and took off. What? <laughs> yeah. And then no, the best was how far up? Uh, I was 15 feet up. And my favorite story is, so picture, you've been there. Uh, for anybody that's been to Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo Championship, uh, number seven is a hole where it starts, um, it's pretty much a straightaway, I think it's a par five. It's either long par four or par five. On the right-hand side, there's a creek that ba- essentially separates the golf course from the, the wealthy homes that are part of the, part of the course. And, I mean, these are, like, huge, like, three, four, five million-dollar homes. And just ginormous front yards. And the, the stream, I would say it's somewhere between the boiling, stri- the boiling spring in Boiling Springs and then the uh, Reedy River. Yeah. So it's so there's po- a lot of room in between yeah, those. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. That's kind of an inside joke. But, it, but it's, it's probably not very deep. It's maybe at some spots it's probably a foot, two feet, three feet deep, and it's somewhat rocky. So, you know, usually on Thursday or Friday, this would happen to be a Friday, a bunch of my friends will get together and we'll, we'll meet at like 10 or 11 and we'll just hang out all day and then, and, and then just, you know, and we travel, you know, we, we, we go to different spots and this, I think this was a year where Tiger was playing. So it was one of those where you're hopscotching because you're always trying to get ahead of him. So it's getting later in the day. Tiger had already come through. And uh, some of our friends had, we, we kind of merged into this huge group because friends of friends started showing up. There's probably eight or 10 of us. And uh, John number two is like blotto. I mean, he's like kind of like, you know, to the point where it's like, okay, we probably should shut this guy up. So we're at seven and we're walking down seven and we get to just before the green where it kind of flattens out. And then you go up to the, you go up to the green. And I'm talking to, I think it was my buddy Wombos. So we're talking and I look over and I could just, you know, you just, you can just see something starting to happen. I could see him thinking because he was like staring across the creek and there was this like giant green lawn that had nothing on it. And I, I, he started to kind of look to his left, and then he kind of looked to his right. And I, and I, and I kind of jabbed Wombo and said, I think he's going. And he, so he did. He sprinted across the green. He goes into this creek, and he starts like tripping all over these rocks and getting up. And, you know, there's a couple of yellow shirts, but they're like, it's 430. Like, you know, we'll just let this guy go. So he gets to the other side, runs up this lawn, and we don't see him again. So... A couple days later, we were at a we were at a party, and uh, I turned to one of the guys who's friends with John Number Two. I said, "So, whatever happened to John Number Two? Like, you know, did he? I mean, did he get home alive? Like, is he still with us? Like, what's going on?" He said, "Well, he walked up. So he 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 basically like forces his way through some like hedgerow and some bushes, gets out into the street, starts walking up Park Road, makes his way to." Uh, that shopping center that's uh, that uh, where Harper's is on on uh, on Fairview, and he goes into Baoding, which is a pretty nice. I like that yeah, place. Baoding. Best Chinese place in Charlotte. No doubt about it. And uh, so he walks in there, and apparently the you know the waitress, <laughs> the, the hostess, like jumps back when she sees him, and you know he's hammered, but he doesn't know any better, right? So he, he you know he goes to the bar, he orders a Bud Light, then he goes into the bathroom. And his face and his arms are completely covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he had to call his wife to come pick him up. So he he didn't get arrested for doing. They that? didn't catch him. No. Well, now they. What post- do you mean they didn't catch him? Well, no, they didn't. They didn't chase him. Oh, they just let him go. It's like, psh. and he was exiting. Well, but the next year we noticed that there were a couple of yellow shirts on the other side <laughs> of the creek. So I, I don't know that his. Uh, Good deed went unpunished. <laughs> well, it went unpunished, but I didn't go unrecognized. But did he get Chinese food? Yeah, he got Chinese food. You know, kind of sort of as much as he could, and his wife picked him up and drove him home. <laughs> so that's the craziest thing that I've that I've been around of somebody doing when they were hammered. It's not quite jumping onto a table from ten feet up, but I mean, it's something. It's something. It's a great story. This is the Bearded Carcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. You can be a Sorry part of the show. Sorry to hijack the <laughs> Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Listen on Stitcher or iTunes. Leave a review. We like, to, we like reviews. We like to see what people are... I like reading the reviews. Yeah. 
even if they don't say positive things. We just want to know that you're out there. Speaking of knowing that you're out there, we talked a bit about my philosophy on playing guys in meaningless or semi-meaningless games. The Baltimore Ravens have all but announced if they've clinched things, Lamar Jackson is not playing in the last game of the year. I was talking to a friend who is a diehard Ravens fan the other day who would generally agree with that philosophy, but when he recognized that the game may be for the Steelers' playoffs, (laughs) he began to backtrack, thinking that if we can knock our rival out of the playoffs, maybe we should exert some energy in playing our guys. I don't think it changes anything who you're playing. If the game is meaningless, why risk injury? But do you think to knock out the Steelers, it's worthwhile? That's a great question. Just from, because you and I are a little bit different. You, you tend to be more analytical, more, uh, you know, more by the rules, if you will. And I tend to be more emotional. I, 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 would, I would say, yeah, to kick you out, absolutely. But what if you but see, suffer but, but, an no, injury I know, I know, and I know. that kills no, your I Super get that. Bowl okay, but, 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 but what happens if he doesn't play and he, he uh, trips over a teammate and, and sprains his ankle? Or, or What's more likely? He's going to get injured no, no, playing no. football I, I, or not no, playing No, the football. likelihood, yeah, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. Of course. He could get into a car accident. And, right. I, mean, this, this, I, I tend to, and I agree with you, I understand, that, I understand your sentiment not getting guys hurt and things like that, but I, I also think there's value when you only play a limited amount of times to get as many reps doing that. And not, not to say that one game is going to completely throw you off your mark, but to me it's more of a mindset thing. Um, sometimes it's hard when you're in a groove and then you shut it down and then t- to restart things. Um, you know, this is such an emotional sport. And, and again, there, there, there's value in sitting, guys. But, you know, I think there's... Like, if there's nothing to play for, I absolutely... I'm fine with it. But, yeah, you got a chance to knock your rival out. You know, there, there's a reason to do... It's, it's why some people like fantasy football, right? If you didn't have fantasy football or if you didn't gamble, some people would be less likely to watch a game, right? But when you have something on the line, there's, there's just it just gives you a little bit more, more juice, more energy. What about in the case of A.J. Green? The Bengals have been eliminated for weeks. He hasn't played it down all year. The reports are that his practice is going better and there could be a chance he could play in the final two weeks. Should he play? If I'm him... With his body of work, I don't think there's a need to play. And to your point, and I, I think you and I talked about this a, a, a couple of weeks before Cam Newton got hurt. And I said, look, the longer this goes, the more likely, if I were Cam Newton, I'd just shut it down. There was this, this, I mean, at some point, people know your, tra- you know, your, your baseball card stats say who you are. So people know, like a guy like that, people know who you are. You're not a fringe guy who has to prove anything. So why risk getting hurt again? And, and, and to me, so this is an opposite thing. For, so for like the Cincinnati situation, there's no reason for that guy to come back on the field. Well, if you're looking at A.J. Green, you forget about the team because it's irrelevant to them. I mean, they've got one win. They're going to draft number one But even overall. if he didn't play those last two games, and let's say he was on the trading market, that would him not playing those two games does not affect his Just trade. personally, though, does he want a game where he's running fluidly to be on film so that yeah, teams can I, sign him to a longer term yeah. or higher value contract. Maybe I mean, but what are we talking in in real dollars? Are we talking the difference between a hundred, couple hundred grand, and a couple million? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It, it, I, I just think teams are going to be hesitant to give a guy a long term contract who just missed an entire year. Now that being said, Le'Veon Bell did that, yeah. but it hasn't really worked out. Guys don't typically do great after missing an entire season. Yeah, and there is—I mean, there is value when you talk to football people. I mean, there is value of playing at game speed. You know, you can't replicate. There's nothing you can do in in life that'll replicate the speed of an NFL game. What about the bowl guys? There are reports that several Alabama players are going to sit out their balls. How do you feel about the guys that say, you know, we've put it in our time all year long? We didn't make the playoff because I don't think there are any players in the playoff that are sitting out, and uh, you know we're going to pass on whatever bowl game our team made it to. So when this trend first started happening, I hated it. 
uh, because I think you're letting your teammates down to some respect. If, if you're an impact guy uh, and it's a chance for your team to, to get a victory, uh, it, it, to me, it's, it's kind of a selfish thing. I mean, you've, you've been there for the entire time, and now for a bowl game, you, you're going to sit uh, to, uh, to prevent injury and, and protect your career. So when it first started happening, I, I didn't like it. And I've kind of come around on it um, just for the, for the sole reason. Well, not sole reason. There's, there's a couple of reasons. Um, number one, and I think in the email you sent me last night, I think you, you kind of put it up perfectly. I think because of the playoffs now, I mean, it's great to go to a bowl, but 20 years ago, when you went to a bowl, that was it. You know, there was no next game after that. There was no making a 14. I mean, it was, that was it. So I think if somebody had done it then, and I think that's where maybe my sentiment came from, was like, you really let your team down. I mean, it's a big deal. And not to say it isn't a big deal. I mean, the, the Bahamas ball that UNC Charlotte's playing in. How many bowl games do you know who's playing? I'll be honest with you, Dave. I haven't really uh, this year. I think like I told you, I haven't been as checked in on college football as I have in the past. So I think Michigan is playing somebody good. Maybe yeah. Florida yeah, right. could have that wrong. I'm pretty sure Washington is playing Boise State in Las Vegas, and I'm interested right. in that because it's Chris Peterson's final game. He's playing against his former team. Obviously, we know who's playing in the two playoff games. Right. But let me let me get this out. So, and I'll be, I'll, I'll wrap it up quickly. I know, I know the, the, my, my time in front of the Senate is closing here. Um, but now I think because, because of the playoffs, and, and those are the games that have more value. And look, sports is increasingly becoming more business, business, more business, more business, more business. Uh, and I think these guys have such a small, limited time for a pro, uh, to, for a pro career that. They have to almost think of themselves in their senior year if, if they're not going to go to a playoff situation as as All right, let's go a step further. Career. If you're Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson, let's say they win the national championship, okay? He can't go to the NBA, the NBA, oh, yeah, the NFL. For the whole he can't year. go to the He can't go to the NBA draft, yeah. but no one would draft no, him. He can't yeah. go to the NFL draft this year. Should he play next year or should he sit? Well, I think there's still value in playing in that in that case, and, and it's because uh, I think sitting out a year would be detrimental. How? I still think he's drafted number one overall. If he sits out for an entire year, I think some scouts would probably look at it like, well, you know, it's it's a, such a, I mean, that's more of a me move than I think than missing a, a bowl game that nobody can. All right, well, theoretically, if he knew he was going to be the number one draft pick. Play or not play, what should he do? I still think he got to play. I mean, there's things that he can do to get better. I mean, I know he's very good. He would still be the no question. He can get better. So that's absolutely right. true. So, do you want to go in here at, at like a seven, or would you rather go into the pros, maybe a little bit better, being more seasoned? I mean, I think there's value in better experience. buy a big insurance policy. Yeah, well, I mean, that's life, though. CarCast at Outlook.com in front of an audience here at Winthrop Coliseum. Great education day at Winthrop Coliseum. A lot of school kids here in the building. So a lot of atmosphere, a lot of energy. You're the one that hosts the pre-game, post-game podcast. Well, we yeah. started this podcast pre-game. Yes, we did. And here we are post-game. And because of the rain, there are still still some, uh, some kids uh, waiting to get their bus. So it's been, uh, I wouldn't say choppy, but uh, we had to go get the coach, the visiting coach, uh, Brian Baroni, who was great. I thought he was really, I mean, he's a talented young coach. Uh, his Cougars may be a little bit undermanned uh, talent-wise, but they're getting there. I mean, it's, it's his first year. Um, told some great stories. Brian Baroni, one of nine coaches in Division One, whose father was a Division One head coach. Yeah. And it's big names. Oh, it's yeah. Prossers yeah. and Patinos and Bennett's and 
guys that have some clout. Kermit Davis. Well, and his dad was kind of a larger-than-life figure and was very gregarious. Uh, at one time, when he was in high school in Chicago, uh, he was like a lightning-quick point guard. Uh, and then he, he parlayed that into a, a coaching career and, and made his way into the NBA eventually. Uh, and that's where the story is really interesting because, uh, you know, the, the, the tragic death of Lorenzen Wright, well, Tony Baroni Sr. Uh, was, a, was an assistant coach at Memphis and was a head coach at Memphis when Lorenzen Wright was there. Of course, Wright's from Memphis. And and then later, at, you know, the, so the, the death comes in 2010, and then uh, two years ago he's out on the recruiting trail and uh, as an assistant coach for Southern Illinois, now he's the head coach, and uh, he meets the, was it line prep? Uh, he, he meets the, the, well, he's friends with the coach there. He, he's going to talk to him. And he, I think they're actually starting to talk about uh, Lorenzen Wright's twins who end up going to Southern Illinois. But as they're talking, uh, Lorenzen Wright's uh, wife, the, the mother of the twins, calls him. I mean, it's a crazy story. Uh, and then they end up... Uh, the same woman who is who later, later charged with his murder. Not charged, she pled well, guilty. Well, she pled guilty, but she was charged. She and another gentleman were charged. Uh, she has since pled guilty. That was, I think, in July. Uh, the other guy, I forget his name. It's like Tony something or Baker. Anyway, uh, he has been charged on a different gun charge, and now his trial has been pushed to January. It's hard not it's, to feel compassionate for those kids. Everything yeah. that they've gone through. They didn't play a ton of minutes today against Winthrop, right. but you just see them out on the court. One of them signed at UNC Greensboro, yeah. and to Greensboro's credit, when he needed to get out of the scholarship to be with his brother, to have some right. sort of support staff, they let him go. But like, because well, they just because what Coach told us was they they felt like they wanted to be together after that happened. It completely makes sense, uh, and it was a great thing that uh, Wes Miller let him out of the contract. It's just such a crazy story. Awful story. And like sometimes though sports shine a light on those bigger stories. Sure. And that is one of those deals where you're like this is way bigger than making a hoop or a block right. shot or taking a charge or whatever. And like you just hope that those kids together get through everything and get an education. If they have great basketball careers, wonderful. But if not like maybe the next four years just help them get through right and you just want them to, to have healthy and happy productive lives and that and that's the goal that you know hopefully playing here and I know uh, Brian Baroni is very high on them that uh, they'll be able to develop and, and really be significant parts of what he's trying to build at Southern Illinois Edwardsville this is the Bearded Carcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. You can be a part of the show. Email us, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. You can listen on Stitcher and iTunes and SoundCloud, and we appreciate you listening. If you would leave us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. While we were here broadcasting, Winthrop and SIU Edwardsville, a 20-point win for Winthrop, a major announcement was made in Uptown Charlotte. MLS coming to Charlotte, probably the worst-kept secret. Uh, at least in the last week, there was a... a an advisory that went out saying that the press conference was going to be today with uh, Vi Lyles, who's the mayor of Charlotte, David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, uh, a, a bunch of dignitaries. There was some some video of David Tepper at the announcement today kicking soccer balls into the crowd. I mean, it was really kind of cool. I think this is, while, um, while I think in some respect maybe a little bit overdue in the sense that I feel like Charlotte has the vibe and everything going for it to have uh, a franchise, it really took the momentum of David Tepper and the finances of David Tepper to push them over the hurdle. Um, Raleigh kind of feels like the jilted lover because they had put together a really competent bid and, and they were very hopeful to be either the 29th or 30th team. I, I think what's going to end up happening, Dave, is I think MLS should play on that a little bit, that, that city rivalry, if you will, and, and maybe expand to 32 and Raleigh gets one of those teams. I yeah. think it would be a natural I don't rivalry. know enough about MLS to speak to whether they could contract or add two more teams. I read today that I think it was St. Louis was supposed to get a team, but their stadium funding is very much in doubt. So there are a lot of moving parts, but there's no question. There's one reason and one reason only that Charlotte won out. David Tepper. David Tepper. And, and, the, and the financial resources that he and both the committee, uh, the committee, both he and the city of Charlotte 
are committing towards putting it and together. And that's what I want to talk about. The city is putting forward over $100 million for improvements on Bank of America Stadium. You okay with that? So I, there's two sides to that. As the taxpayer, I think I want to know a little bit more about uh, everything. I, now, I will say this. It's, I, if I remember the story correctly, uh, it's coming out of the tourism and that. So I don't, and this sounds bad. I, I generally don't have a problem when those taxes are involved. If you're looking at redoing uh, property values and, and looking at that kind of tax, I don't know that I'd be as gung-ho about it. But if we're talking about like the, the hotel motel tax and stuff like that, I'm okay with it. Now, as the, the guy who's worked in sports for almost 30 years, um, I think this is going to be great for the city. And I think the city has an opportunity uh, maybe to make that money back. Now, granted, Bank of America Stadium and BBC Ballpark uh, aren't the only reasons that, you know, Fourth Ward is kind of, you know, why there's a lot of growth going on there, but they're a big part of that story. And it's going to be another reason for people to come into the city. I mean, the season runs, uh, what, from like March to October or something like that, right? Um, it's, it's probably not the best thing in the world from, for the Charlotte Knights perspective, but you're not talking games every night. You know, they play once or twice a week, so that's not, that's not a big deal. Um, but they have like 34 games. Um, and I think there is the appetite among, you know, the under 35 crowd that they want to see this. I mean, this is a sport that if you go uh, to a bunch of sports bars uptown here, they're packed on, on Saturday and Sunday mornings watching the Premier League. And right now the Premier League and the MLS are apples and oranges. I mean, no, but I think there's a, th uh, I, I think I would say that most people that I come across that are, that are fans of the Premier League will support MLS. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm very like, I'm fine with the $100 million to help renovate the stadium to attract the soccer team. But I am going to be through the wall angry if they then turn around and want a new stadium for football and for soccer. If you're putting the $100 million in and now this is where the Panthers are going to play, this is where the soccer team's going to play, we're going to make it really nice, it's public money, that's fine. But if you come asking five years from now for a new billion-dollar dome stadium, why did I just spend the $100 million? Well, it's kind of like if you have a seven-year-old car and you need to redo the brakes and, uh, and and put in new shocks for, like, $15,000, $2,000, and then, uh, then two years later, it's like, well, crap, I need a new car. Like, do you have a feel? Like, I have thought since Dave Tepper bought the team that he wanted a new stadium. And in some way, public-private partnership he was going to get a new stadium. If he's getting $100 million to renovate the stadium for soccer, is he really going to ask for 500 or 800 or 350 for football? Well, I think in the short term, the answer is going to be, uh, I think, and this is just a guess, I haven't seen the financials or any of the plans or anything like that, but my guess is part of that $110 million will go towards making some of the improvements that they want to make Bank of America Stadium also more sponsor friendly, and maybe there's that end zone club that you know, you know. And those things need to happen. And I'm okay with that. So am I. I mean, I'm totally fine with that. I, I I agree with you though. It doesn't write a check once, no problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to write that same check twice, that hurts. But so, what's your time frame? Is it five years, ten years, fifteen years? Or if ever. you're putting a hundred million dollars, and I don't want to build another stadium for a decade. Yeah. Now I will say this. Um, you and I have been to a lot of different stadiums. Bank of America Stadium has been one of the most and best well-kept stadiums I have ever been in. I mean, you walk into that place right now, it looks brand new. Well, and kind of like the Winthrop Coliseum where we're sitting, it takes incremental work. Yeah. You need to paint the place. You need to modernize the place. I often talk, and you and I have talked about this before, we played a game, Winthrop played a game several years ago at Southern uh, southeastern Louisiana and the arena was just an absolute dump and it was basically the same age as the Winthrop Coliseum they just had never done any maintenance whatsoever and the place was in disrepair and need replacing the Winthrop Coliseum it's got its issues but it's been kept up they've put new seats in they've put new lighting in etc etc so 
you would have the option if you came upon some money of building a new facility or just touching it up. I think Bank of America Stadium is in the same boat. You put $100 million in a Bank of America Stadium, it should be good for soccer and good for football. Maybe not for the foreseeable future, yeah. but for a while. Yeah, for about eight, 10 years, it should be yeah. fine, right? I, I would, the analogy I would make is the last couple of years when we were at Old Knights Stadium, the Knights had to move. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the stadium, it, it was had already, dumped. I mean, the, stadium, the team had already announced that they were going to build an uptown stadium. Your county and the city of Fort Mill didn't want to put any money into doing any kind of retrofitting. So, had that stadium not panned out, I don't know if the Knights would have stayed in town. Oh, I completely agree. But, like, I think that was a philosophy. We are not putting a dime into this place that we are evacuating right. as soon as humanly right. possible. That's not what's happened with Bank of America Stadium. Correct. Bank of America Stadium is nice. It wasn't that many years ago we bought those $10 million escalators, right? Yeah, They're like yeah, four yeah. $10 million yeah. escalators in there. I, I, When I go, and it's not that frequently, it's comfortable, the sight lines are good, and yeah, sure, they need more VIP areas, they need to do a touchdown club. To me, that's one project. That's soccer yeah. and football all together. Yeah. No, it's a great stadium, and I think the, the selling point for a new stadium down the road, obviously, all those things we talked about, um, but then the ability to have a Final Four. 100%. If you put a dome, you can have conferences, you can have the Super Bowl, you can have the Final Four, you can do all those things. But if you're putting $100 million in that stadium right now, and it's one vote, nobody cares, yeah. I will vote against anything that goes to that franchise or that stadium for a decade because I'm putting my $100 million in now. But don't you think there's, uh, and again, we're doing this on the day of the announcement, so maybe the more news will trickle out in a couple days. I would get the sense, though, that there's probably some timeline tied to this, right? Don't you think? I mean, yeah, cause, probably. Because I think when they did the, um, it was like, well, first it was like 30 million, then they went to like 70. There was a couple iterations of that money for the elevators, but I think there was something, something along the lines of adding the lease time, or there was some sort of phrasing that they couldn't. Uh, just up and move, and that was before David Tepper bought the team. All, all right, so happened. to push the forward, the forward story, to push the story forward, forward can you tell that there have been 5,000 little kids I know, I know. yelling at the Winthrop Coliseum all day long, and we all kind You're of are here. in a, in a daze? Are we yelling? <laughs> Almost certainly we were yelling. The Panthers, the product on the field, the last month has been a disaster. Cam Newton's been out. We've talked this one into the ground. This week, they're going to turn to Will Greer. Mm -hmm. Young quarterback, drafted last year. We saw him in the preseason. He didn't look great. Had a good career at West Virginia. I have thought for months, if the team was out of it, if you got to the point in which the team was eliminated, you saw enough reps out of Kyle Allen, Whatever your assessment on him is, maybe right. you've decided he's a starter, maybe you've decided he's a backup, maybe you've decided he's not worth rostering, maybe you've decided you can get a mid-round pick for him. Whatever you've made your decision on, you've seen him for enough games to have some sort of general feel for what you think. Now you have to take a couple of weeks and see what you have in Will Greer. Well, and one thing Marty Herney uh, told me a couple years ago on the post-game show, uh, just to put, give some guidance and thought to what I'm about to say, this is a very difficult time to evaluate players because th there's there's not a lot of team success. Uh, there's some injuries involved, so you have different players in different positions. You have uh, arguably an all-pro offensive lineman and Greg Van Roden not in the lineup. So when you want to evaluate somebody, you always want to try and evaluate them to give them the best chances of success. Under optimal circumstances. Now, now the difference being, um, the, the, maybe the better scenario would be, uh, to your argument, is like, well, let's say Kyle Allen got hurt and you had to throw Will Greer in. You know, it's still a chance well, to get I, a I think the question comes down to, it's not optimal circumstances. You've got a banged up offensive line. You've got a team reeling. You've got an interim head coach. But is it better to see two games, understandably not under the best circumstances, but to get two games at tape to get a feel, to see how he handles the big moment, to see if he can make some safe plays. Is he going to get sacked a few times? Sure. Is yeah. he going to make some mistakes? Sure. But does that help him and help the franchise both development, work in the offseason, get a feel for things? Or would it be better off saying, you know what, our team's a mess right now. We don't want to throw you in that situation. See, I kind of flip-flopped on this. A couple weeks ago, I was in favor of 
doing just that. Like, look, if the team isn't winning, why not two, three games out, just see what you have in Will Greer. And then we had Darren Gant on the, uh, the post-game show, and some of the things I just iterated was his argument. It's like, it's, it's not the best situation. Uh, you're not, you're not going to get a true sense of who he is. So that's kind of what, what turned my opinion back. But I certainly understand from the team perspective why you want to see it. And really, we don't know who's going to be able to, who's going to be around next year to What to about from an individual perspective? If Will Greer goes out and is great, or Will Greer goes out and is awful, whether he has excuses or he doesn't, he gets to play two games of regular season NFL, and now he can go into the offseason and know what to work on. Well, I think if you're looking at his perspective, I mean, he would have wanted to play three weeks ago. I mean, I don't think that the question isn't him. And remember, David Tepper uh, said a couple weeks ago when he had the meeting with the local media that that they were kind of committed to, quote, in quotes, you know, uh, bringing him along in the traditional sense, which was maybe sit a year, then you, you know, then you get a chance to compete, and not to say that he'd be anointed starter next year, but um, you know you would think, um, you know, if they liked what they saw, he would he would have that opportunity. And, and you, and I know we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, not, the, the 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 trend now becomes guys are playing more. There's more money in the quarterback, so they're. they're I can't more. think of a guy since Aaron Rodgers. Well, didn't Pat Mahomes sit for a year? Well, I guess essentially yes. He played like week 17. Yeah. And Alex Smith played in the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, Mahomes sat almost an entire year. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I mean, but 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 I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer because we're we're looking at in a hundred years of football, you know, the, the trend in the last ten years maybe has been more to, to start the guys faster. But that's in every sport. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. But to me, to go into the off season where you're going to hire a new coach and you're going to have a full draft class not to see what it looks like for two games. If he's horrible and you want to say, look at the offensive line play, look at this, he's looking in the right directions, he's reading the play right, he just has no time to throw, totally fine. And now here's what we don't know, Dave, because you know the curtain's not open for practice. You know We don't know where he is along in his progressions in practice. Right, like but that. the thing you always hear coaches say, and maybe it's coach speak, again, we, we aren't the coaches, but what on? is... <laughs> You don't know until the bright lights are on. True. So, like, what they're seeing in practice should give them some sort of indication. But there are certain players that we've watched play that are lousy practice players that when the lights yeah. turn on true. are good. That's true. And vice versa. There's guys that hit oh, 42% yeah. of threes. Five o'clock hitters. Right. Yeah. So, like, I just... Like, At some point, you just got to see what's under the hood. I completely hood. understand. Interim head coach, banged up offensive line. Like, it's a mess. That's why they're changing coaches. That's why they're starting over. That's why Tepper won. But like, but but let me throw this out at you. Uh, and again, this is an organizational decision, not necessarily in the hands of the coaches. So if they're told to do it, they're going to do it. But I mean, if you're Perry Fuel, do you want to go with the known commodity in Kyle Allen or the unknown in Will Greer when you have to put together your resume if you want to be a head coach? Perry Fuel's not going to be a head coach. Um, but you may know that. I don't know that, I, and I'm not saying it's going to be here. Maybe he is, maybe he's not, but he's he's got to put together a body of work because that's what he still wants to be. He still wants to be a head coach. Yeah, well, like you said, I think the bigger uh, point No, I mean, is it's an it's organizational decision. decision. Anyway. Right, right, right. I mean, and like, but based on what we've seen from Kyle Allen over the last month, how could you possibly be so certain that he gives you a better chance of winning? Because there's... I don't know. There's something I always get stuck on, and we've talked about this before, but among a lot of coaches that I've been around, sometimes you you sit there and you say, well, why is this guy starting when you probably should be starting that guy? And, and it, it, usually it's in that case it's the, the known versus the unknown. I mean, what you're not saying, but I think you're alluding to, is it's possible that Will Greer is nowhere remotely close he might to not ready be. to play. He might and not be. If he's but nowhere, we don't know that. But if that's the case... You're putting him out there to look bad, right? And you're going to look bad, and you're giving and yourself wins a worse situation. chance. Exactly, giving yourself a worse chance to win. So then, what's the point? I would hope, and I don't know this. I would hope that the brain trust, if in fact he is way in over his head and he really needs the off season, and he's a project, 
they wouldn't put him in that situation. Yeah. Well, and in, according to the, the reports that you know came out yesterday on Monday with Ian Rappaport was that uh, you know that the, the team is going to indeed do that. They're going to start him on on Sunday and see what they got. So kick we'll the tires. See. Yeah. We'll see. And, and where are if this is the end of Kyle Allen's season, what is the final thought on him? I go back to our good friend Darren. I, you know, I do have original thoughts here. Not just I don't just steal Darren Gantz material. <laughs> Look, this is what we know about. Welcome back to the Bearded Carcast <laughs> with Darren Gantz impersonator Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Look, we do know this about Kyle Allen. He can be a guy that can win you a game as a back. I mean, we know he can be a backup. He looks like a backup. He can be. He, I think he can be a, a very good, uh, solid NFL. You know, Matt Moore type backup. You know, now. And maybe the window's closed on this, or is closing um, for for him. I, you know, we don't know that he can. You know, he has, he's had the opportunity. He hasn't made that leap to look like a, a bona fide starter in the NFL. It's hard to imagine if, and it's a big if, the Panthers move on from Cam Newton. Do you go into next year with he as your A option? Maybe Will Greer and him are. A, 1A and 1B, or maybe there's a third option. Maybe one of those two guys has to move on. But, like, it would be hard to go into the year saying, we think Will Greer is a project. He's going to be a good player in this league. It's just not yet. And we're very comfortable with Kyle Allen as our starter. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're looking at it saying, Kyle Allen doesn't make that much money. Perfectly adequate backup. If he has to play some games, cool. Now, if Will Greer is good, the next two weeks, or not even good, if he shows flashes, if there's hope and reason to believe that with good coaching, with an offseason, that he could be the answer, you can very easily go, Will Greer, maybe he doesn't start the year next year as the starter Kyle Allen does, but you have Will Greer waiting in the wings. If Will Greer looks lost or looks like he's a project, a maybe a lottery ticket, I think you're either keeping Cam Newton or you're bringing somebody else in, even if it's just a bridge guy like um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, and I've said this before, but I still think there's a pretty decent, like, I mean, I don't know what percentage I'd put on it, but I, I mean, I, I can see, I can envision Cam Newton being the quarterback here next yep. year. Um, and I think that's become, I really feel like the up and downs of Kyle Allen has really kind of dictated this. I mean, I, early on, and I think we talked about this on one of the earlier bearded car casts. You know, I said, hey, if Kyle Allen continues on this trajectory, I mean, Panthers are going to have to make a difficult decision. Now, the decision's not that difficult anymore, I think, when it pertains to Cam Newton, as long as he's healthy. But the X factor in all this is we don't know what the, a new head coach is going to want to do. Like, the, like so for instance, if a new head coach comes in and has all – I mean, you would assume he's already done his due diligence on the quarterback situation here. And not even – I mean, a prep – prepping for the job, but also in his, in this person's previous job, probably at some point saw some Will Greer tape. So he's going to come in with a preconceived notion, I think, whether he feels like, yes, we can go with Will Greer, or no, we got to move on. And then you throw in, the, what do we do with Cam Newton? So, I mean, If I somebody gave you $100,000, if you could answer what quarterbacks will be on the Panthers roster week one next year, and your answers can be anything from... Any combination of the three guys they have now with the fourth option being somebody else. I walk away. I'm not taking the money. <laughs> Enough for $100,000. No, 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 you're, you're not betting. You're, you can't oh. lose. Oh. You can only win. Well, I still want a million dollars for this decision. Right, if you pick who is on the Panthers roster week one next year at quarterbacks, mm. we're going to give you a large sum of money. If, if you don't pick correctly, you're not out anything. What would you guess? All right, I'm going to go, and this is bad, because my gut feeling usually is not the right one, but my, my gut feeling on this is that Cam Newton's the quarterback week one. See, to me, it's all about the value. I, our friend Darren Gant thinks that Cam Newton is worth a first or a second round draft pick. I don't think anyone's going to pay that. I see, and that's part of my thought process. I mean, because I, I don't want to say like I'm poo-pooing Cam Newton. I mean, I, I, I still think Cam Newton has one or two really good years left in him, maybe more. I kind of agree with you. Like, if... If Will Greer is fine, good, average, okay, something like that, not stand out good or stand out bad, I'm just not sure. And you can't get anything for Cam. If you can get a first-round draft for, for Cam, he's oh, gone. Take it. Adios. Yeah, right. See you later. Right, right. Start over. But if it's a middle or late-round pick like I think his value is, he doesn't make that much money. 
maybe he does turn back the pages. He does have a healthy year, and he is your best option. And if not, you can always trade him in the preseason. You can trade him at the trade deadline, or you can eat it for one more year and move on fully satisfied that his career is over. Well, and, you know, when you look at the scores, you know, the Panthers have had a couple games where they were just clearly out of, but they've been in a lot of games. So... Is the, is the feeling that this team is... Great great you know, question. You know, like a, a run stopper in the middle yep. away, an edge rusher away, a cornerback away. Um, you know, I think they're fine on offense. I mean, I think you could, could upgrade a little bit. Um, you know, we don't know what Greg Olson's status is going to be. I think Ian Thomas has done a nice job. Uh, you know, the wide receivers have, have, have come on. So I, I think on, you could probably... You know, deflect all your attention or most of your attention to the draft. You could convince yourself that this is an eight and eight, nine and seven team when healthy. You could make that argument. You I could thought when yourself. I thought when healthy coming into the year, this team was in that eight to. I 10, mean, Tampa Bay wins. is seven and seven, yeah. and the Panthers with a fully healthy roster probably beat them twice. I would agree with that. And, well, they, and probably beat the Falcons twice. Right. So you're talking about a team that maybe isn't that far away. But they have enormous questions at the most important position on the field. And like every team in the league, several other spots that they need to address. It wouldn't be crazy to say, new coach, wash our hands, start over. It also wouldn't be crazy to go... We're going to roll this back. We're going to hope for a healthy season. We're going to hope that Cam Newton is good to go, and we're going to take our chances. And I think if you read the tea leaves from what David Tepper has said, you know, obviously winning now, the combination of winning now and sustained success is, is, is what they're after. So whatever they feel like is going to give them that, that's the direction they're going to go in. That's it. That's the Bearded Carcast. Enjoy the uh, holidays. We'll probably, quiet in here. Are we going to have a special holiday edition? We are you going to sing carols? We should, do you want to sing carols? Uh, maybe we'll have John sing carols. He had the, the chorus last night. Uh, you are the one who recently, in one of our digital videos, as Winthrop goes on the road did, and we I create our digital videos, you, yeah. you did have an acting moment. I did. I had, I had uh, my first Shakespeare role. And it was amazing. It was great. It was on a Saturday night and nobody watched it. It was really something. Yeah, Mike Pacheco, 81, go check it out. It's our tour of Greenville. It was really something. Was it better than Cats? It was way better than Cats. <laughs> In fact, it might be better than anything I've ever seen. Would you seen. say two thumbs up? I would say 18 thumbs up. And what was amazing was, uh, if I can you know, speak positively about myself, uh, you know, we were like deep into bearded car cast slash digital media mode, and then I had to shift gears and get into character for Shakespeare. Tremendous. Do you consider yourself a method actor? I, well, I had to. I did. I had to. I had to. I had to find something in my past to get that role out. I think at the ripe young age of whatever you are, you might like go to Broadway. I should. I should. I could do a one-man show. I like it. Just like you know, random. Uh, it would only be a one-man show because you would overshadow anybody else. <laughs> so like, it would have to be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Or I could have my son do it and let him overshadow me. Uh, maybe a Preferable. duet. Yeah, we could do a duet. That'd be pretty good. I'd like that. You'd come and see it, wouldn't you? Absolutely. With bells and whistles. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com uh, is how you can get a hold of us. And uh, on Stitcher, uh, leave a review. iTunes, SoundCloud, any of those work well. And uh, follow us at Bearded Carcast on Twitter.